0: So have you heard about this thing called National Get Over It Day? National Get Over It Day. It was started in 2005 by a man named Jeff Goldblatt. And it seems that Jeff had a bad relationship that he just couldn't get over. And he decided to start this national day to help people just get over it. In fact, this day is on March the 9th. And that may not mean anything to you, but if you... Look at a calendar and do the math, it's halfway between Valentine's Day and April Fool's Day. And uh, March the 9th every year, National Get Over It Day. In fact, he made it onto Good Morning America a few years ago, and they promoted this day. Seems the idea behind it is that, you know, we all have something that we hold on to that we should be getting over and especially when it ret- pertains to relationships, uh, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. It uh, could even be some stressful relationship at work or, or in, a, in a situation. It could even be a fear or an embarrassing moment, but mostly has to do with bad relationships. And you can go to, the, to his website, and you'll find there a poem. Be careful, it does have some risque language in it. Uh, a video, a song, but most importantly, a certificate that you can print out and you can write your name in and the date and you can say, on this day, I'm committing to get over this relationship that has caused and wreaked havoc in my life. National Get Over It Day. You know, it just goes to show, though, that relationships can have a big impact on us. Now, sometimes we have good relationships. I like to think of most of the relationships that I have with people are pretty good relationships. Some of them may, may think differently, but there are also toxic relationships that we can get into that will lead us down the wrong path. And listen, when you get in a wrong relationship with a person, they can take you where God does not want you to go. We're concluding our series today called Overcoming Obstacles. And in this series, we've talked about overcoming self-doubt and overcoming guilt and overcoming grief and overcoming the fear of moving forward. All those are available on our website if you'd like to go back to listen to one. Or today, though, we're going to talk about overcoming bad relationships. What relationships should we be careful with as believers that's something we need to think about because we need to we need to be guarded about our relationship you know we live in a diverse culture don't we I mean there's all kinds of people and there are all kinds of relationships that we have certainly we have relationships with family and then you have that group of people that you work with that you have relationships with you have places where you do business on a regular basis and you develop relationships with those people. You have community involvement, maybe sports teams or, or activities at school or whatever, that you have these relationships. And those relationships can be good and those relationships can be bad. But God gives us some advice about relationships. And I believe this will help us in our relationships, especially in choosing the relationships that we have. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We have to understand this passage that we're going to study, verse 33 and 34, in the context in which it was written. Uh, Paul's writing to this church at Corinth. It's a a vibrant, it's an active church, but it was a young church and they had some problems. And apparently they wrote him a letter, so we got some questions about some things. In chapter 7, Paul says, now about the matters that you wrote about. And then he begins to answer a bunch of questions throughout the rest of, of the book. One of those questions may have been, we got people in our church that don't believe in the resurrection." And so he spends all of chapter 15 addressing the idea of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of people at the last day when Jesus returns. And he begins that chapter 15 by saying, Look, I want to remind you of the basic gospel. And that gospel is this, that Christ died for our sins. That he was buried, but that he was raised back to life. And he appeared, he said, to over 500 people that he lists. Not all their names, but but some of their names and groups. And he says, "Go, go talk to them. Listen, they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. So this must have been a question. And then Paul comes to verse 33 and listen to what he says. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Now he's speaking to the church, and he says, bad company in the church can corrupt good character. You've got to think about what he's saying here. He's cautioning the people about relationships that they have Even in the church. So here's the first thing I want us to think about. Be cautious with those who claim to be believers but deny sound doctrine. There were people in the church in Corinth that were saying, Jesus didn't raise from the dead. That's all a myth. This apostle Paul fellow, what he's teaching y'all, it ain't real. And Paul says, wait a minute. That's the basis... For our faith. Back up with me to verse 12 there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are to be found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised for if the dead are not raised then Christ has not been raised either and if Christ has not been raised listen your faith is futile and you are still in your sins it's all a myth he says then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost And if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Verse 20, But Christ indeed has been raised. Paul's saying, look, how can y'all say Christ has not been raised? And he had seen the resurrected Christ. He had met with him and talked with him. But the point here Paul's making is, that in the church there were some people that were teaching false doctrines. That's the ones he calls the bad company. That's not a rock group from the 70s, by the way, here, which I used to love their music. Bad company corrupts good character, especially in the church. People that are teaching false doctrines. Now, you know, we are cautious in our church about the teaching that happens in the church. That's something that the elders of the church oversee and that they are very careful. If I preach something that's not wrong, you better believe they're going to take me out to the woodshed after the service. If I get up here and, and tell y'all Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, uh, I'll be looking for a job tomorrow. Okay. Because these elders, they oversee, it's part of their job to oversee the doctrine of the church. And Paul wanted to make sure that people were careful, especially the leaders in the church. Listen to what he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Remember from last week, he sent Timothy to straighten out some problems at a church in Ephesus. And he says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers he you said if you're teaching god's truth you're going to be saved and you're going to get some other people to be saved so you got to watch what you teach what you preach you go over to second timothy chapter four and paul in in the second letter that he wrote to timothy has more to say about this very subject Timothy, he says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That prophecy has been fulfilled in our culture today. There are preachers out there on TV and various places teaching all kind of stuff, even in church buildings throughout. And much of it is not the gospel. It is not God's word. They distort the truth. Now, thank goodness most churches are pretty solid in their teaching. But a lot of these TV preachers, listen, you better be careful what you hear if it's not a reputable church because they're teaching all kind of stuff. It happened even in Paul's day. Go back to Acts chapter 20. And Paul was visiting with the elders of the church at Ephesus, which is a church he had started. And and he was telling them, Look, I'm going to uh, probably never see you again. But he stopped by and called those elders to come meet with him. And here's what he says, Acts 20 verse 25. Now, I know that some of you among whom I have known, gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Paul's saying, look, I've taught you everything that Jesus taught me that you need to know to do church. Keep watch over yourselves in the flock of which the Holy Spirit is with tears now listen the reason he wrote 1st and 2nd Timothy about 10 years later was he had to send Timothy back to that church at Ephesus because false teaching had crept into the church so his prophecy to them had come true that they had false teachers they were going to have false teachers and they did have false teachers bad company false teachers corrupts good character. You listen to false teaching, you're going to get off track and you're not going to be going in the way that God wants you to go. In fact, Paul goes so far to say those false teachers, that bad company, they're ignorant of God. They don't understand what God wants them to know and how God wants them to live. You know, it's sad to say that there are preachers, there are other people within the church that go to church for personal gain. That they're in it for what they can get. That they're in it to get some kind of big following to boost their ego. That they're there because of personal uh, gain and they don't preach sound doctrine. Listen, if they're not preaching the Word of God to lead people to realize, first of all, that they're sinful and they need forgiving, but that Jesus died for their sin, as Paul said. And if they're not preaching to lead people to a life-changing forgiveness and a walk with Jesus Christ that takes you on the path that God wants you to go, then they're probably not in it for the right reason. That's what God wants for us. It's not so we can be rich. It's so we can live on the path that God calls us to. So be careful in the church about who you listen to as teachers. False teaching, listen, false teaching of any kind can devastate uh, a group of people, whether it's secular teaching or whether it's religious teaching. I read an article this week. A guy named Michael Crichton, Crichton was the author of, you'll remember this, Jurassic Park. But he also wrote another book called State of Fear. And it was a fictional book, but it was about a disaster, a global disaster of eco-terrorists and what that might do to our world if something like that happened. And so he went and researched some, some pretty phenomenal global disasters that had happened in history. And one of those that he researched was uh, Chernobyl over in the former Soviet Union a couple of years ago. You remember they had a a uh, nuclear power plant and it had a leak and radiation got out and it affected a lot of people. But what he found when he did the research is the scientists didn't report the truth. They reported, exaggerated the truth to make it seem worse than it was. And they reported that um, thousands of people had died. Initially, only 50 people died. They reported that Later on, there were going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands, maybe even millions, that would die from effects from that later on down the road. But all the way up to today, only about 4,000 people. Now, still a lot of people, but they were exaggerated. But the um, United Nations did a survey, a study of what effect that had on the people. And what they found was that that devastated the people in that area uh, because they felt, the people felt that these long-term effects were going to hurt their life. And so they, um, according to a, a UN report in 2005, the, lo- the largest public health problem created by the, by the accident is the misinformation because what happened to people was it had a psychological impact they felt like um, because of this misinformation their lives would never be good that they would be bad that most of the people had a lack of initiative and that most of them became dependent on the government to sustain them they even had a shortened life expectancy because people just thought I've been affected by this and I'm gonna die it had a psychological effect listen bad news and I don't mean bad news because it's something bad you don't want to hear I mean incorrect news can affect you and certainly incorrect religious teaching can be devastating to you as well I I couldn't believe my ears but I saw a preacher on the internet last year He said, don't come to my church if you wear a mask. Don't come to my church if you wear a mask. As though, you know, you don't have enough faith to be part of our church. Don't come into our church. I cannot imagine Jesus saying that. I'm sorry, I just can't. You know, maybe people didn't have enough faith, but maybe they were looking for it. Maybe they were scared to go out without a mask, and maybe they needed to hear the loving word of God. They didn't hear it from Him. That's false teaching, I think. Or what about a couple years ago, I saw a preacher in his message. He says, oh, we got these prayer cloths here. Now, if you want to be blessed, you just send $10, and we're going to send you a prayer cloth. And, buddy, you just rub this on you and hold it in your hand. Oh, God's going to bless you. Because I can't find anything in the Bible about ordering prayer cloths online. I just can't find it. Or how about the one I I was listening to on TV? His message was pretty good up to a point, and then he looked at the camera. He didn't have anybody in the audience. He was just preaching to a camera. And he said, God told me to tell you to send me $3,000 today. I just thought about that for a minute. I said, you know what? I speak to God every day, and he ain't said a word to me about it. But you know, people will try to manipulate you for personal gain. Now, the Bible does teach that we should give a tithe to the church. But nowhere, and it does teach that we should give to other causes. But nowhere, it it always says, uh, when it comes to those other causes, settle that with God. Don't listen to somebody else telling you what you got to give. And sometimes the way people teach falsely is subtle. And we got to be careful about this. It can even be, hey... The resurrection is not real. Don't believe in that. You can believe in Jesus and you're forgiven. Just don't believe in the resurrection. And that's what was happening in Corinth. And Paul says, look, in the church, bad company corrupts good character. Now, let's move on to another verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, Go back a little bit in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and listen to what Paul says. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, a fellow believer, but is sexually immoral or greedy or idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler, do not even eat with such people. Now, I want you to think about what he's saying here. And what he's basically saying here is two things, but the one thing I want you to get out of this is it is acceptable to associate with unbelievers. It is acceptable. But he's saying, be careful about the people in the church again, but we got to be careful about the people outside the church, the non-believers. Both can bring corruption if we're not careful, but God does not call us to stay away from the unbelieving community. He says, if the only way you can do that, you'd have to leave this world because you're going to have associations with people in this world who are not believers. Now, he does slam the believers, the brothers and sisters, who were sexually immoral, greedy, swindlers, drunkards, idolaters. Those were the big issues of the day. Apparently, they were openly living this way within the church. And Paul says, you got to be careful about those folks. You know, we still have the same thing today. We have people in the church today that they'll say this, oh, I can live how I want to. God's going to forgive me because I believe in Jesus. doesn't matter what Jesus says. As long as I believe in Him, I can live how I want to. I can sin all I want to. And He's just going to forgive me and forgive me and forgive me. If you think like that then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible you made up a Jesus to believe in because Jesus does tell us some things that we should not do in fact Jesus didn't die on the cross so we can enjoy our sin he died on the cross to show us how serious sin was and to show us that we can overcome sin and live eternally despite the fact that we have sinned but over and over the Bible calls us to keep growing spiritually so that we can overcome the sin in our lives. But notice again, well, what the point here is in this passage. He says, I'm not talking about the people of this world, the worldly people, the people that are sinners. Don't blame sinners for acting like sinners. That's what they do, okay? And that's why Jesus died, to bring them. But he wants us to have relationships with them to a certain degree so that we can reach them with the gospel message. You know, one of the top reasons the Jewish people uh, were against Jesus because he hung out with what the Bible calls sinners and tax collectors. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Back in the book of of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was... uh, He was eating with some folks. He met a man named Matthew who became one of his apostles. He was a tax collector. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And Jesus was saying, I eat with sinners and tax collectors because I'm trying to get them to come to a saving faith. And so Jesus had associations with sinful people, unbelievers. And it's okay for us to do that. Now, again, we have to be careful because bad company can corrupt good characters. So we've got to guard ourselves. Peter warned about this later on in 2 Peter. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as far- foreigners and aliens to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us live such good lives among the pagans the unbelievers is what he's calling us to so that they see us and they may ah them them crazy Christian people but then one day they come and say you know what those are pretty good people I I might like to have what they have because they're going to have eternal life and they're going to be saved and they're in good graces with God and then maybe they turn because of the way they've seen you live and they become followers and glorify God on the day he returns So, be careful about believers that don't live out their doctrine or properly. Be careful but it is acceptable to associate with unbelievers but then listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness when he talks about light and darkness it's talking about the believers versus the unbelievers the ones that are following christ versus the ones that are not following christ and he says don't be yoked together now that may seem contradictory to what he's saying before but yoked is a little bit of a heightened relationship and what i want you to see is do not have close partnerships with unbelievers you know a lot of times you hear it said in the marriage context don't be yoked together with an unbeliever a believer should not marry an unbeliever now the Bible does say if you're already married to an unbeliever and you are a believer or you become an unbeliever don't get divorced keep that relationship hopefully you'll win that person over the Bible says but what it's saying is in all your relationships you're your treasured relationships, your close relationships, you want to be careful about getting yoked together with an unbeliever. Now think about what a yoke is. You know, it's a wooden board that's designed to go over the shoulders of an oxen. Now understand that two oxen can pull five times as much as one oxen. That's the power of being yoked together. But when we're yoked together with an unbeliever, then they start pulling us in the wrong direction a direction that we don't want to go so don't make your close relationships with unbelievers now if you're already in those relationships you need you know especially if it's a marriage situation you want to be careful about that but I tell you who you want to be yoked to you want to be yoked to believers and especially you want to be yoked to Jesus again in the book of Matthew You see, when you're matched up with Jesus, when you're yoked up with Jesus, if two oxen can pull five times as much as one oxen, imagine how much you can take on when you're yoked to Jesus. And you're following Him. And you're walking with Him. Because that should be the number one relationship in our lives. So when it comes to these relationships, now think about what Paul is teaching. He's teaching us to be careful with relationships with false teachers who claim to be believers. And he's teaching us that we can have relationships with unbelieving people, but you want to be careful about getting too close to those believers and making uh, major relationships with those folks. But here's our connection. The Lord desires that we protect our character as we strive to live for him. Listen, bad company corrupts good character. You know, whenever you have relationships with those who claim to be believers or those who are not believers, don't let their influence corrupt your life. Stay focused. And that's the key to overcoming a bad relationship. Now listen. John writes this. Probably the closest disciple to Jesus in 1 John chapter 2 we know that we have come to know him that's Christ if we keep his commands whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person but if anyone obeys the word but if anyone obeys his word love for God is truly made complete in them this is how we know we are in him Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And that's the key. We want to walk with Jesus and strive to live the way that he's called us to live. I heard about a college student. He was a Muslim and had several roommates. And, and with one of his roommates, he went to church and he heard the gospel preach, and he converted to Christianity, became a follower of Jesus Christ. And one day one of the other roommates said, what made the difference? What made you uh, begin to follow Jesus? And he said, it was really pretty simple. He said, if you think like this, you're going down the road and you come to a fork in the road and there's one guy on one side trying to lead you that road and one guy on the other side trying to lead you down that road and the guy on the one road is dead and the guy on the other road is alive. You're going to follow the one that's alive. And he said, Jesus is alive, which is what Paul said. The resurrection did happen. And listen, God calls us to follow Jesus. And if we stick with him, we can overcome the relationships that we face in this world that would be bad for us. Stay true to Jesus' teaching. Let's pray. Father, we come to the end of this series and, Lord, we think about overcoming obstacles and certainly we have not touched but only the tip of the iceberg of all the obstacles that we have to overcome in this world. And the truth is, Lord, you never promised us that we wouldn't face obstacles in this world. But what you have promised us is when we do, if we're believers, you go with us and you'll be there with us to guide us and direct us. And to help us overcome obstacles. And that one day you'll take us to be with you where there will be a place where there will be no more obstacles. And so for that we are grateful. But in the meantime we pray that you will help us to walk with Jesus. To stand firm in his word. And keep a, a strong watch on the relationships that we have. So that we might walk as Jesus walked. And that we might overcome the false teachers. And that we might reach out to the unbelievers and help them come to see the saving faith of Jesus Christ. For it's in His name that we pray and praise today. Amen.